Hi everyone, this is Ashley with the Urban Ash team at Point3 Real Estate. We're gonna sit down with Jennifer Peterson today of First American Title uh, to chat Title 101. This is uh, one of two part series. Uh, the secondary series is gonna be Escrow 101. Uh, this will be just a good foundational um, uh, event that will give you kind of the different perspectives of what is title, what are the different policies that are issued, what can you expect of a title insurance company during a transaction, and also some red flags there. So I hope you enjoy. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. Thank you for um, coming on and, and joining me today to talk about title. Um, yeah, it's kind of one of those things that, um, as I mentioned, that buyers and sellers don't really think about um, when they're going into a transaction, like, you know, what is title? And they hear it thrown around and us pulling title and doing this and that, but they really have no clue. So, and also agents, new agents too, who are just getting in, don't really quite understand what the nuances are of title and title insurance and, and even escrow's responsibility too. So I thought this two-part series would be really good. Uh, today we'll talk about, of course, just kind of Title 101, just the basics, um, you know, what is title, talk about the um, different policies, um, the different roles, I guess, that you as uh, a first American um, has in a transaction. Um, and then we'll kind of talk about some red flags and, and what have you that we've kind of outlined. So um, I think that'll be a good basis of um, today's conversation. And then the next um, one, we'll talk more so about escrow and, and uh, the process um, and the involvement of First American, obviously um, handling the escrow of a transaction too. So mm -hmm. thank you. I always, I always appreciate your support. Um, I know we, we've recently had some uh, oddball transactions just uh, with properties that are in estates and probate and all that sort of thing. And I always love how you just jump in and help um, whether or not you have the answer, but you surely know uh, who to direct it to to get the answer quick. So I have people behind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Um, so why don't we dive right in and, and uh, kind of, I guess, chat about what is title? Okay, what is title? Title is not as complicated as it seems. It's not quite as simple as having title to a car. When somebody has title to a car, they have a piece of paper and you are, if they're selling that car, they need to verify that person actually owns the car and maybe if they have a loan on it. And those are the two things that they have to verify in order to have title to a car. While with a property, there's a little more involvement we need to verify that the owner has the right to sell the property, but then we also have a lot of disclosure responsibility. And so there's a lot of research that is involved and we have to find out things that have to be taken care of through escrow. So what are the things that need to be paid off? And then also um, covering things like um, we want to provide clear marketable title to the buyer and we need to provide an assurance to the lender that their buyer is not going to um, default on the loan because all of a sudden a title issue pops up and so the lender and the buyer are biggest concern and so we also have to disclose information to the buyer that may affect their ability to enjoy the property once they own it so that might be an easement or CCNRs, things that aren't monetary in nature, but it might affect where they wanted to pool or they wanted mm -hmm. a fence. Yeah. And so they do need to know that. 
Yeah, and I think that I've had a couple of property inspections too, where you guys have actually sent people out. One was actually both were waterfront um, properties. So I don't know if those are waterfronts or the ones that you guys, um, you know, are doing the actual property inspections the most, but I've noticed that that's come up quite a bit. Yes, waterfront properties are a higher liability. So they're yeah. a little more careful. <laughs> Okay. So usually when they're doing those inspections, they're just making sure everything's intact and, and the property lines are what they are and maybe that there's no any, you know, encroachments um, here. What are the type of things, I guess, the inspector's looking for? Well, there's a couple different inspections. There's the kind that we send people out, sometimes just a drive-by, but sometimes if they've noted something in their research, like there's a potential encroachment, they will go out there and they'll look for it and they'll be able to note on reports so that it can be further examined um, and then if you are really interested is that there's a survey that people can decide to do but those are uncommon got it got it got it good so um with title then um i guess the your role um our first americans role with um title uh it's a lot of research you know, and, and going through and looking at records, but can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, we have uh, the title examiners. They are the people that look at everything that comes in on a property and they decide what goes on the report. And the report ends up being instructions for escrow for them to follow during the closing process so they can decide these are the things that have to be paid off. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, these will actually paying things off is important, right? <laughs> but um, what additional paperwork might we need to ask for? So the seller may very well have to provide us with additional paperwork in order to um, see who has the authority to sign on certain things. Um, and the buyer might also have to give us paperwork. Got it. And that could be uh, trust paperwork. That could be uh, death certificates. Um, basically you know, operating agreements, I'm assuming too. Yes. All yeah. of those things, all of those things. Yes. Okay. And so then in the process, when we, we, as agents, we, you know, say pull title, really it's, we send the address to you guys and, and you then kick us back their preliminary report. And you also kick us back a um, legal description and all the maps and all that sort of thing. Um, can you talk a little bit about what the difference between the preliminary report is and maybe the, the actual commitment? Uh, sure. Actually, um, those two terms are are interchangeable. So there's the preliminary title commitment, which is the word that they want us to use. But we um, grew up in title saying report. And so you will find that people like me still say report, but we're supposed to say preliminary title commitment. And then that is where all the research is initially. And then when the transaction closes, that's when the policy is issued. Okay. Gotcha. So it's the difference. It's the preliminary first, and then you got the policy that's um, that follows it. Good. And so um, on the preliminary report, you're finding um, you know information about easements, hyperlinks for CCNRs. You're finding what are the other common things that you're finding on that preliminary report? Uh, we will have the deeds of trust or mortgages that have to be paid off mm -hmm. if there are liens or judgments. And that's another part of the research. We research the property and we also research 
the seller and the buyer. And so the seller and the buyer may have items against their person. So not against the property, but if they have a superior court action, we have to research that as well, because that needs to go on the HUD report. If a judge has decreed that this judgment is against a person, then it will attach to their property. So it's important that we put that in there as well. And what people need to know is that uh, judgments are potential liens. And mm -hmm. so like, for instance, my name is Jennifer Peterson and there are a million Jennifer Petersons. And so when I get a title report, I have what is called numerous matters against my name. And so I have to fill out a form, which is called a statement of identity or identity affidavit. And what that does is allows them to compare my statement with the judgments. And they say, okay, this isn't her, this isn't her, this isn't her. And then those come off the top of the part. Got it. Awesome. Um, and so then when you're talking about different policies, then at that point, once they're ready to be issued, um, can you talk a little bit about um, the different policies and then we could kind of dive into the MLS forms and stuff and what they default to? Yes, um, on a sale transaction, there's typically two policies. There's the owner's policy and there's the lender's policy. And the owner's policy in our area is different in every area, but our area, the seller customarily pays for the owner's policy. And that policy becomes the buyers once it closes. And then the lender's policy is a policy that's paid for by the buyer and it only covers their lender. And so in situations where we have a cash buyer, which is common these days, um, there is no lender's policy, though there will only be one title policy on that type of transaction. Got it. That was going to be my next question. That's what I wrote down. What happens yeah. if there's no lender? Because cash is something that we're seeing quite, quite often these days. Yes, that's true. Someday I would like to have enough cash to yeah. do myself. Yeah. So on the MLS forms, um, there's two selections. You have a standard policy and then you have uh, the extended policy. Um, naturally, the form defaults to extended, but we always see that, and especially now in competitive offer situations, I think when new agents are out there selecting one or the other, they think standard is better than extended, but we in general want extended coverage. Can you talk a little bit about the difference? Well, it's there's on an owner's policy, which would be the policy that the seller pays for that the buyer gets when they close. There are three different kinds of policies. There's the homeowner's policy of title insurance. There's the standard policy and the extended policy. And it's actually the homeowner's policy of title insurance that is the better policy. A lot of um, extended ex I don't really love the way they're named because yeah. extended sounds like it's the best, but it's not necessarily the best. The homeowner's policy of title insurance is the default on the contract. Mm -hmm. And so as a buyer's agent and they're writing the contract, it, there's two check, check mark boxes, but really what they want to do is leave the check mark no check marks and they want to apply for the homeowner's policy of title insurance that's the best one okay and so we're just looking at the differences then can you just talk to what the difference that's the best one but are there are a couple yeah. key pointers so people know yeah. yeah um well the the 
it's our newest policy. And when I say new, I mean, it's only been around for about 20 years. <laughs> so it's not that new, but standards been around forever. And so the homeowner's policy of title insurance has about 30 different insuring factors on it. And it's got some really unique coverages that don't actually have anything to do with title insurance. Like for instance, um, one of the more attractive ones is permitting issues. Mm -hmm. So there is some coverage for permits or if, if a buyer purchases a property and they later find out that like if they go to get a deck permit and mm -hmm. the municipality comes out to give you that permit and they're like hey wait a minute i see this over here and we don't show that anyone has ever applied for permits on that mm -hmm. and that's a big deal they may have to deconstruct the item in order to show that it was done properly and so there's fees associated with that and possibly late penalties and so the buyer has different coverages for permitting and sanders coverage has nothing nothing like that at all it's very um outside of the box they they did that in order to make title insurance seem like it has more value. And so that policy is a little bit more expensive. It's about 10% more expensive. And so the standard coverage doesn't have those coverages. That's only one of the coverages. But we're not here today to talk about the homeowner's policy of title insurance, but I can come back. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, well, is there one, I think in your um, comments you made before, like for vacant land, or I mean, is there a policy that's best yes. for that? The standard policy. Okay. Um, when somebody doesn't check a box, they're okay. applying for the homeowner's policy of title insurance. But if it is vacant land, they're going to get the standard coverage, which is the lesser, lesser expensive and lesser coverage policy. But you'll find that builders like to offer this because they want to save money. Mm -hmm. And um, this isn't very common anymore, but bank owned properties, mm -hmm. the banks will also always want to pay for a standard coverage policy. Yeah. And then the extended is the most expensive policy. It's, it's uh, significantly more expensive and it requires an ALTA survey. And those surveys start at $3,000 and they go up from there. And it's an out-of-pocket expense for the buyer, similar to an inspection. So whether they decide to close on the property or not, they have to pay that money up front. And what does AT ATLA stand for? American Land Title Association. ALTA. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Nice. Okay. Um, well, that kind of covers the the policies and, and the differences there. Um, with the in regards to any red flags, like when a, an agent gets a, a report and they're kind of reading through it or they flip it to the, um, their client, whether it's a seller or, or buyer, um, what are some of the things, I guess, immediately that they should draw their eyes to? Well, I think the, the first thing that they should do is, is realize it's not as difficult as it seems. It's not a daunting task. Um, the most important thing is you want to verify that the owner information is what you thought the owner information would be. Like you, you went to the listing appointment and you saw one person and the title comes back and it's got two people on it. Well, that's an indication that there's either been a divorce or a death and they're really all you're looking for are things that you can avoid delays because you can get this paperwork to us in a more timely manner. And mm -hmm. so it, you're not really looking for things that are going to kill a transaction or make something not be um, a, a viable sale. It's um, 
is the owner vested in a trust? Because at that point, we will need the trust documents to determine who can sign for them. Um, is it an LLC? We would need the papers on that as well. And then another thing, would, there's really four things. That's what I like to remember. There's the ownership information. Do you know that the, uh, the property is actually a couple different parcels? So you wanna make sure that the legal description, don't, you don't need to verify the legal description is what it should be. That's really our job, mm -hmm. but you, do, you should see if you know that there's two lots, we wanna make sure that there's two lots represented in the legal description. And then we wanna look at monetary items. So things that we're gonna have to pay off through the course of escrow. It, and is there potentially something on the property that's going to exceed the owner's equity? That mm -hmm. is not as big of a problem lately because we've been appreciating like crazy. <laughs> but, um, and then the fourth thing would be the judgments or the potential liens, which would enable, um, which require rather, the um, party involved to submit an identity affidavit to determine whether that was actually theirs or not. Yep. So it is the owner's responsibility to provide clean and marketable title. The, the owner might not be able to sell their property if we can't provide that, can't but provide we all that. have to help them get yep. to that point yep. because, yep. yeah. So it cannot be conveyed to the buyer and, until it's clean and what you say, clean and marketable title. Yeah. And ultimately that is escrow's responsibility. Escrow goes through with a fine tooth comb, but what we want to do ahead of time, both the buyer, the seller, the agents involved, we want to look at the report and see, hey, wait a minute, these are things that might require extra paperwork. And we want to get on that as quick as possible. Yep. Good. Um, a couple of the red flags, I guess, come to mind um, are the death certificates and kind of the probate scenario. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure, sure. If we're going into a situation where you go to a listing appointment and there is one person and then the title shows up and there's two people and it turns out that we do have a deceased party on title, the that means paperwork. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first thing is going to be the death certificate. We need to submit that to the title officer and also a copy of a will. And there's not always a will, but if there is one, we need to send them a copy of it as well. And so what they'll do is they'll compare everything against the report and they'll come back and give us the next list of homework that we have to do. And it's generally going to be a lack of probate affidavit. It's not common at all for a title company to require probate. Okay. And then um, I know I'll spare my story about my, uh, the recent one that we kind of just worked on, but it was very, very unique um, in that we had um, to kind of go a step further and have an attorney involved to work with the um, estate of a um, person that had deceased years prior to us selling um, the condo itself. And it was quite the, um, quite the process, but you guys kind of helped, jumped in and helped kind of steer in the right direction. We got it all figured out. Um, the other one that I think paperwork wise, you guys need divorce decrees. Is that another? Yes, yeah. we can usually pull them up, but not everybody gets yeah. divorced right here in uh, the Tri-County area is what we have access to. Um, sometimes it's more favorable for somebody to get divorced in an outlying county for some reason, I don't know all the rules. If yeah. that's the case, we don't have access to those court records and we have to rely on the person to give us their divorce decree. Got it. And then that would be uh, trust um, paperwork. So anything with 
trust accounts. Um, yep. Yes, we have to make sure that we have documentation and we want to ask for that quickly because sometimes people don't have that and yeah. they have to go to their attorney and get it. And um, we also need to make sure that they have some type of a bank account in the name of the trust, because that's how the proceeds are going to come to them. And uh, I have heard that people can just have their trust added to their current bank account. Got it. Okay. And then um, what is another common like piece of paperwork, like operating agreements maybe between LLCs or partners? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All Just paperwork. That's, that's our job. Yeah. Finding the correct paperwork. <laughs> Good. Is there anything else we missed there? Um, I don't think so. I think that we have uh, we've gone through it. Yeah, good. Well, that was a good 20 minute um, power of, of Title 101. So thank you uh, for the breakdown. And um, we will look forward to seeing everyone at the next um, event that we have in a couple weeks here for Escrow 101 and diving into kind of how that next step of how escrow assists the transaction and what that all means. So really appreciate your time, Jennifer. Thank you.